Hey, Pastor Freddie T here. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I'm super excited about what you're going to get to hear over the next five weeks. Pastor Tim Nussbaumer and I are unpacking our mission, vision, strategy, and values. And uh, so we're going to take a little bit of a deep dive into who we are at Real Life and uh, hopefully give you some great handles this summer. You guys, stay cool out there. Look deep into the eyes of your family. Slow down. Be still and know that he is God. Uh, Maximize this summer for the sake of Jesus. It's my hope and prayer that the podcast helps you do that just a little bit more. Hey, folks, you've heard about community groups, but have you considered hosting or facilitating a community group? As our church grows, we need more folks that are willing to step forward. Listen, beyond a need, it's a massive opportunity for you to be mightily used of God, perhaps in a way that you never dreamed possible. Hosts open up their homes, welcome folks in once a week for community groups. Facilitators don't teach a Bible study, rather they guide discussion discussion with questions that we provide. So would you right now text MISSION to 97000 and let us know that you're interested in hosting or facilitating or perhaps both, a community group this fall. This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Timmy. How's it going, Freddie T? Hey, man, it's good. good. How are you? Good, man. How's the summer going for you? Crazy. You know, this this weekend we move into our yes. new house, so super excited about that. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm. I just almost got cold, like good chills. <laughs> cold got, chills. <laughs> yeah, not like good chills. Like the that's such a good feeling it is it is especially as you know we've been kind of scattered yes so this will be like coming back together with the family and yeah we're really yeah excited ready definitely ready thank you for joining me on the podcast good uh to be here man. you're no stranger to the podcast of course uh <laughs> but um uh we're doing special summer edition so yep uh, Jonathan's out. Pastor Timmy is joining me for a special sur- uh, summer series on the podcast, and uh, I'm super excited about what we're going to dig into. But uh, okay, so you're moving into your house. You, your wife has also been in Memphis with her family. She has. She so has. not only are you about to move into your new house, you're about to be reunited with your bride. Yes, reunited. All yep. is right with the world. That's right. That's right. Ian and uh, Robin have been, well, first Emma and Robin were there for a couple of weeks. Now Ian and Emma have been there. So it'll be the first time the four of us have been together in like almost like over three weeks now. So we're, we're ready. <laughs> Congrats. Sure. Yep. Congrats. Thanks, You're already making such a difference in connecting with people in the way we knew you would. So glad you're here. How can, how can people pray for you as you continue to get acclimated and settled? Yeah, I mean, you know, like like you said, we're still meeting a lot of people, putting names and faces together. So even if you see me on a Sunday morning and you're not sure I know your name yet, come up, introduce yourself, and because uh, it's going to take me a couple of iterations to get everybody's Absolutely. name. Absolutely, that would be a huge help. Yes, um, but yeah, 
And uh, once we get settled, I really am excited about having people over and just getting to know people. And yeah, so that's that's kind of where we are. You're, you're preaching a four-week sermon series that's right. uh, this summer. That's right. Give us a little teaser on that. All right. We're going to do a series called Rhythms, and we're going to be talking about some biblical rhythms that maybe don't get talked about as much. Two sort of internal rhythms like spiritual disciplines, and then two outward expressions on, on the tail end of the series. So super excited about it. It's uh, kind of some messages that God's really been dealing with me in the last five years about. And so, as you know, when God does work in you, you can't get wait to get the word out to other people. That's so, so good. That's so, yeah. so good. For somebody that that phrase spiritual discipline might be a new idea, what what is that? What is a spiritual discipline? Yeah, I mean, like, put simply, not we don't have to over-spiritualize it because everyone has spiritual disciplines, whether they're a Christian or not. It's it's about our formation. It's about the things that we do on a regular basis that form our character and form us into who we are. Okay. So Okay. So it's the things that we're doing that actually shape who we are becoming? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. All right. So I'm yeah. fired up about your sermon series. And, and chances are this podcast is actually releasing maybe after you preached your first one. I don't know. Yeah. No, no. Daniel's maybe saying they- no. So this is right before you start your series. <laughs> yeah. So get ready, folks. It's a good teaser. Get your, get your journal and pen ready. Rhythms. Here yeah, it comes. That's it. Um, uh, Pastor Timmy, what are we talking about today on the podcast? We are going to talk. We're going to kick off a series talking about Uh, our vision, our mission, our core values. And it's great for me because I'm still soaking all this in. And so I'm going to have a lot of questions for you about who we are as a church. Yeah. So I love putting our staff on the spot. One day I I came in the office and I I think it was was a $100 bill, DJ Daniel Cox. I laid a $100 bill down on the table and I said, okay, everybody that can write out our values our four values, if you write them down perfectly, you get, you know, and maybe it was like mission and vision and values. Um, well, why are these so important? Timmy, my experience with churches, mission and vision and purpose and all this stuff, it's a bit, it's a bit varied. And I would guess that your experience was similar. Um, when I was in my young 20s, a pastor mentor took me to the Purpose Driven Church Conference out in California at yep. Saddleback Church, where Pastor Rick Warren uh, pastored. Um, he wrote he wrote the book, The Purpose Driven Church, that um, it became wildly, wildly popular. And, um, and then he wrote the book, The Purpose Driven Life. And in those days, I guess probably in the late 80s, and really probably throughout the 80s for for Warren, th- those phrases really became buzzwords, mm-hmm. and they became a huge topic of a conversation in the church world. What's your purpose? And, uh, and I felt like it was a really healthy movement because it helped people ask the questions, what are we doing and why are we doing it? Um. What has God called us to do, you know? Yeah. Uh, and the reality, Timmy, is that every organization uh, has a mission, whether it's stated or not. Every organization has a has a vision, whether it's stated or not. And every organization has values, whether it's stated or not. So let me just kind of give a brief overview, and then we'll we'll dive in a little bit. So uh, uh, let's just start with vision. A vision is a picture of what we want to become. Mm-hmm. 
I like what Andy Stanley says is vision is a solution to a problem. Uh, and our vision at Real Life is to become a, a, a flourishing people in a multiplying movement. Um, so, but, but what is a vision? For us, we like to say a vision is, is who we want to become. It's a, it's a picture of our desired future. Uh, it's a solution to, to a problem. That's our, that's our vision. Our mission uh, is our, our mission and our strategy is what we're doing. It's what we're doing. And our mission is the timeless portion of what we're doing. And our strategy uh, can always be changing. Right. Uh, and so, so, so the mission and the strategy is what we're doing to realize our vision. It's like the vehicle. That's right. That's right. And so, so at Real Life, our mission is delighting in God, discipling others. Our strategy is gathering, giving, serving, and living. Gathering, giving, serving, and living. Um, I, I was going to actually put you on the spot and see if you could rattle all those off. But you just gave it away. I did, but I didn't. But I didn't talk about our values. All right, all right. Our values are the manner in which we go about our ministry. So, so our vision is a picture of who we want to become as a church. Our mission and our strategy is what we're doing. What has God called us to do in order that we might become this kind of church, this kind of people. And then, and then our values answer the question, how are we going to go about it? Like what makes us distinctive? What sets us apart? Like what's our flavor? Uh, what, what, you know, when you, when you describe us of what kind of church are they, we want, we want our values to be what bubbles up. Right. Um, and our values, along with our mission and strategy, but our values really also answer the question on, are we going to do certain things? Mm-hmm. Because our values, uh, I'll, I'll speak to it in this way, our values, uh, more than anything else, will shape the culture of our church. And our culture will determine the level of impact that we have. Right. So let me let me try to summarize this briefly again, because I really want people to have a framework. I really want our people to have an understanding um, and people define these words in different ways sometimes, right. you know, different schools of thought. Um, so, but for us, when you, when you walk into the Madison room, you see these two giant banners. One of them says delighting in God and discipling others. That's our mission. Right. Our mission is what we're doing in order to realize our vision. And our vision is to become a, a flourishing people in a multiplying movement. Our strategy are those kind of nuts and bolts of, of what we're doing to make disciples, right. to become a flourishing people in a multiplying movement. In our, in, our, in our strategies, gathering, giving, serving, and living. It's got a little rhyme there. Hopefully it's memorable. Gathering for worshiping in groups. Um, uh, giving to the Lord's work and his mission. Uh, serving the Lord's church in our community and living uh, a, a life of worship and love. Um so gathering, giving, serving, and living. And then we've got four values. And again, our values are the manner in which we go about our ministry. Timmy, do you know our four values? I, I better because, and I, I, I think I told you Don't this. look down at your iPad. No, I, no, I, I will not. <laughs> but like, because when I was like discerning, like, is this the church, you know, that, that we're going to be moving to, I did a deep dive on this. And when I, I think I told you this, when I saw the four 
values, I'm like, oh my goodness, that they are different wording, like you said, but right in line with, uh, with my heart and like what we are doing up in New Jersey. So I think I can do this, um, equip and empower Yes, this idea that we're going to really, uh, release the church to be the church, uh, margin for mission, the idea of, uh, having a rhythm out of rest, um, grace and truth in relationships and then uh, keep it real, keep it Jesus, a Jesus-centered church. So, so good, man. Yeah. So good. You killed it. Woohoo! Well done. Wait, where's, where's the $100 bill? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you just showed up DJ Daniel Cox for sure. That uh-oh, was that was uh-oh. amazing. Um, no, uh, so um, I was so honored when you said, hey, I think I'll preach on the values because I was like, oh, like there was nothing else that you could like honor real life and honor me mm. more by preaching on our values. Right. It's, it's like you were saying, dude, I'm all in it on real life, right? And yeah. what we're seeking to accomplish. And, um, and I just wanted to encourage you, you know, to do that is to kind of carry that mantle of leading. Right. And I just wanted you to get to feed them, yep. you know? Yep. So I love where you're going with this rhythms series, yep. but, but I, I don't know that I ever told you ex- explicitly how fired up I was that you wanted to preach on the values because it was just like, yeah, (laughs) yeah. You know, alignment is so important. And um, that's what's so beautiful about you serving here at Real Life is you and I have such a ministry history together. Um, It's like we were talking about something yesterday, and I referred to one of our mentors uh, about, you know, how he led this thing. And rather than it being a 20-minute conversation, it was like a two-minute, like a 20-second question, and we knew what we were talking about. So that's a real gift from the Lord, a real blessing. Yeah. Um, Well, well, I was just gonna say, like, I I know I know the alignment is there because in conversations with people, the values will just come to my mind, and like I'm not like trying to force it in of going like, oh wait, what what are the values of real life? It just uh, it's my heart too, and so yeah, I love that that sense of alignment makes it. A lot easier, and like you say, it saves a lot of time because we're not having to go back and and reinvent the wheel. You know, God's really aligned our hearts in that yes. way. So, well, let's it. let's talk about um, let's talk about our vision. Let's talk about yeah. our vision, and our vision is to become a flourishing people in a multiplying movement. As you have interacted with our vision, what's what what questions have come up? What for our listeners as they interact with our vision? What are we what do we want to talk about? Well, I love the word flourishing. I, I've always loved that word. I, I immediately begin to think about like the the Hebrew concept of like shalom. You know, this idea that that everything kind of goes together. It's a pretty broad word, so I'm, I am curious. Like, what? Like when you say flourishing, if it's a picture of what the of we what we want the church to look like, what does that look like for you? Like when you say the word flourishing, what is flourishing? Yeah, I love that. Um, I, I feel like flourishing became a little bit of a buzzword in the last 10 years sure. and a lot of people began to use it a little bit and, um, uh, and I won't do, I, I won't unpack it with justice right now. Sure. Uh, but in, in, and in part, I feel like that's what we get to do every Sunday morning. You know, in the sense of as we like year after year after year, I feel like what what you and I are going to get to do in unpacking God's word for God's people is we are 
opening up God's word to show them a vision, a picture of what God wants for their lives and for our lives as a community together. And that picture is a picture of a people that are flourishing. What does that mean? Well, it means they're they're functioning the way God intended them to function. They're mm. they're enjoying the things God intended them to enjoy. They're the things that are ruling their hearts are the things that God intended for them to for, for them to rule. You know, it's it's like uh, my, <laughs> the image that just came to my mind is is my nine year old Parker uh, got a cotton candy machine, like a maker, a cotton candy maker. And it's got all kinds of little parts and this and that, you know. And in the first one that he got, like there was a part that wasn't working right. And so it it was unable to make the cotton candy. And so we got the right part. We got it attached right. And then it made this amazing cotton candy, you know. So there's a way that God has intended for us to reflect who he is to one another into the world. Love that. Yeah. And... And it's not a killjoy way. It's yeah. it's not a you know it, it's not a duty driven you know I'm unhappy way. There's a there's a flourishing to it where I, so I landed on one verse that I feel like embodies our vision better than any single verse that I've okay. come across. Um, but I feel like you get snaps snapshots of what it means to flourish all through the scriptures. But but here's here's what here's what it was. So the church this is Acts chapter 9 verse 31. So here's a summary of what the church was like in the early church in this in right after Pentecost. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace. We'll just pause there. There's that word. That's a picture of flourishing. It's peace. Yeah. So so one of the things that it means to flourish is that we would have peace. And that's such a countercultural reality because our world is riddled with anxiety. It's riddled with fear. Um, and so a picture of what God desires for his church and for his people is peace. What's wild about the fact that the church here had peace is that uh, they were undergoing lots of persecution. Right. And so even in the midst of persecution— they had peace, so they had they had they they had an, a, a, they had an experience of peace, and then amongst themselves they were marked with peace. You know, so so in a culture in our in the United States of America right now, our cult our our culture has never been more polarized. Right, totally. Pe- you you would not use the word peace to describe our country. Yeah, and yet that's what God wants for His people. So that's an aspect of flourishing. Yeah. I think that's huge, especially you just said it. Our world right now, and our country in particular, it is as polarized as it's been, probably in our lifetime. Yeah, and, yeah certainly. You know, even Sunday morning, you know, coming off the heels of a pretty big Supreme Court decision, I love the tone that you struck, and I loved even the feel on Sunday morning because there was a sense of like celebration because we are, you know, for life and for flourishing. But at the same time, there was a sense of peace. It, it wasn't, you know, this like gloating. It wasn't like we're, we, we have the power and you don't. There was this sense of like, no, let's cultivate a community that really reflects, you know, Jesus. And, yes. I, and I love that. Yes. So, I love it. 
Um, so the verse goes on. So mm-hmm. the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. Mm. So I think that expands this picture of flourishing, being built up. In other words, it's not stagnant. Right. Um, and it's not, um, it, there, there, is this, there is this progressive growth that's taking place. We're being built up by, by the Spirit of God through the Word of God, ministered to through the people of God. And so you've got this, um, you know, the, the picture of the church is that they were being nourished. They were being strengthened. They were growing and being built up. So not to put words in your mouth, but if I heard you right, are you saying then that's not something that we arrive at, but it's something that we just, we're going to be in process. Yeah, like for, forever. that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So when we say our vision is to be a flourishing people in a multiplying movement, when we say a flourishing people, we're talking about we're a people in progress. Right. We're a people going, growing together. Um and it's a and it's a and it's a positive, strengthening, growing, maturing, uh, a process where, and really to explicitly say, we're being molded into the image of Jesus Christ. Right. We're right. becoming more and more like Him as individuals, but then as a, as the body of Christ. So I love that. So you have flourishing and also multiplying. Both both those words don't imply like a point that you get to and go like, you know, we're not going to get to our ten year anniversary and go. Congratulations! We, we did We're it. Here. We're done. That's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yes. So, so our vision is a fluid vision in the sense that if we accomplish it, it means that there's movement. Right. If we accomplish our vision, it means that 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 something's happening. So, so here's the verse Acts nine thirty one. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. That's my phone. Sorry about that. It. And was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord. So just pause there. Walking in the fear of the Lord. Again, we're just expanding this vision of what it means to flourish. We were made by God for God. So we can't flourish. We can't design. We can't function the way God intended for us to be designed if we're not uh, walking in the fear of the Lord. The, the book of Proverbs says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? So to flourish means that our life is marked with wisdom, not foolishness. That's good. But it's funny, flourishing and fear of the Lord. I think a lot of listeners might go, those two don't feel like they go hand in hand, especially if your image of God is like, you know, Gandalf, like, you know, this ang- like <laughs> this angry like man with like a long white beard that's like going to smite you. That's I'm not what you're talking about when you talk about the fear of the Lord leading to flourishing. And if that's the case, what? Well, yeah, what well, I kind of like Gandalf, but I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, but <laughs> but no, I know what you mean by that. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. You know, I the best illustration on the fear of the Lord that I've ever come across. Uh, John Piper gives the illustration, and he said they were barbecuing in, in the backyard with some friends at a friend's house, and. He sends his kid out to the car to get something he forgot. And the kid takes off running. And the, the friend's house that they were barbecuing at had a big Doberman pincher. And and uh, and as soon as the kid starts running out to the yard, the dog goes, Roar! and he's right there on his, on, his, on his heels. And the owner says, oh, I forgot to tell you. 
He doesn't like it when you run from him. Just huh. walk just walk with him. So so the fear of the Lord isn't a fear that makes us want to run away from God. It's good. As though he's terrifying and I don't want to be around that terrifying figure. Right. It's a fear of the Lord that causes us to be afraid to not walk with him. It's good. That it, it's a fear of the Lord that draws us to want to be with him. Um so it's it's a it, so good. at the yeah. root it's a recognition of who God is, and it's a it's a place of humility, uh, of fear you know fearing the Lord. And a um, lot of that seems like trust, right? Like yes. that is, <laughs> it's a fear because we know that as we walk with God, He is for our good and He is for our flourishing. Yes, yes. So the verse goes on. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee mm-hmm. and Samaria had peace. It was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord, and into the and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Now, the reason I think this is such a beautiful picture of flourishing is because a lot of times people think flourishing means everything in life is going right, like my my bank account is healthy, right? My yard looks great, my kids' grades at school are going great. You know, like when we think about flourishing, I think that that's life is, doesn't feel stressful. I think when people think about flourishing, they that's what they humanly may think of. Almost like a health and wealth sort of mentality. Perhaps, right. Yeah, that's right. You look at every area and you're, you know, if your garden is flourishing, well, it's that not. means, <laughs> what'd you say? I said it's not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if your garden is flourishing, that means you've got crops, right? right. Like the flowers are blooming, the tomatoes are looking ripe, you know. It, um, mm-hmm. So you could apply that thought to... Um, well, if, if my bank account's flourishing and my kids are flourishing and, and, and you translate it in a worldly way, sure. right? Um, well, here we see that the church, they had peace, they were being built up, they were walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. So, so what that communicates is that they needed to be comforted. So there were painful realities that the church was going through. There were unwanted, painful circumstances mm. that if you and I looked at it at face value, we would say, well, that doesn't look like flourishing. Right. They've got obstacles and they've got disruptions and they've got all kinds of unwanted, you know, things going on in their life. Right. Totally. So that's what the, that's what the new Testament church was experiencing in that they were undergoing persecution. They were being scattered. Right. Um, and yet they were experiencing the comfort of, of the Holy Spirit. So when we say our vision as a church is to be a flourishing people, we're not saying a, a people that are not suffering. Right. We're saying, no, we're a people that suffer, but we experience the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Our suffering doesn't crush us. Our, our, our suffering doesn't cause us to throw in the towel. Our, our, our suffering doesn't cause us to stop persevering because we experience the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Love that. So it's kind of like one of these deals where when you know you you see this radical intimacy here, right? Um, uh, where in in the image is kind of like on a cold night, Timmy. You've got a, a bonfire, and you can't get warm unless you get really close to the bonfire, mm. right? So you can't get peace, you can't be built up, you can't get comfort unless you get really close to the Lord. Yeah. So so that's that informs our mission, delighting in God. In discipling others, in other words, so so how do we how do we become a flourishing people? Well, we we delight in God. 
And as you del- as you delight in God, you become a flourishing person. Yeah. As you delight in God, you you get built up. As you delight in God, you experience peace. As you delight in God, uh, you, you you are comforted through the trials, and you become a flourishing people. Yeah. So that's where our mission translates into our vision. I so, love that, and I love how how they relate so closely to each other. You really can't disconnect those two at all. Like same thing with our values. Our values directly impact. Um, our mission directly impacts our vision, and that's what makes us into this beautiful community that that flourishes. Is we really should have started with our mission, because the mission is kind of the head of the comet, right? And the vision is the tail of the comet, right? Yep. In other words, if we're if we're faithful to our mission, then the tail of the comet, our vision will follow that, right? And my guess is what you're describing is not a quick thing, right? That's it, right. It, it takes a long time, and the hope is that. The longer we go, the more um, details it has, the more uh, depth it has in that picture. And yes. yes. Like you said, it's never a thing that we arrive at. It's something that we're in process. And the hope is that 20 years from now, we look even more like that than we do 10 yep. years from now than that's we do right. now. So. Well, I, that's why Jesus was so intentional, I think, in these organic images that he gave to describe discipleship. You know, right. all these uh, farming images seeds and growth and you know those kinds of things and it's only recently you know only in recent years did we our family do any planting of anything we planted like a wildflower garden but like every day I would peer over our deck to see do we have any flowers do we have any flowers day after day after day after day I'm peering over the deck excuse me to see if anything's you know budding and blossoming and for weeks on end, there was no growth, no visible growth. Mm. Growth was taking oh, place. Wow, yeah. Growth was taking place. You just didn't see it. I couldn't see it. Yeah. And uh, so beneath the surface, something was happening. Um, so absolutely, I love what you just tapped on there uh, of um, what we believe is that this mission and this vision are really worth giving our lives for. Right. And it's really going to take a lifetime. It's going to take generations to to see this realized, right? But delighting in God leads to a life of flourishing, which leads us to the next vision piece is we want to be a flourishing people in a multiplying movement. So where do we get that? Well, in verse 31 that I've read to you a couple times, let me read the whole verse now together. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Mm. It multiplied. So in this one verse, we see a flourishing people and a multiplying movement. And um, you can't read through the book of Acts and say, well, everything that we see in the New Testament church is what we want to be, right? You have to interpret these New Testament realities with a, an interpretive lens, a theological lens of what's good. Um, you know, So, for instance, the early church of Corinth had all kinds of disunity and drunkenness and incest and all this kind of stuff going on in the church. Um, so we don't look at that and go, oh, well, that's what we should be. <laughs> right. But but Luke, who's writing Acts, is commending to us this picture of the church. And so flourishing people, a multiplying movement. Um, so this idea of being a multiplying movement, <clears throat> the church was multiplying. So for us, we want to make disciples. Our mission, you know, sometimes people get confused about, a mission, a yep. church's mission. Well, every church ought to have the Great Commission 
as their mission. In Matthew 28, Jesus gives his church the, the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, right? So we've just, but every church has to kind of customize how they articulate yep. the Great Commission for their context. Totally. So, so ours is delighting in God and discipling others. And when we're faithful to disciple others, we believe that results in a multiplying movement. When we're effective at discipling others, we believe that leads to a multiplying movement. So we want to see leaders multiplied, community groups multiplied, churches multiplied. Um, and, and we believe that that'll be the, the, the result. That'll be the picture if we're effective and faithful at making disciples. Yeah, that makes sense. I remember a previous church I was at, somebody raised their hand and we were talking about vision and mission. And they asked the question like, isn't every church's mission the same? Like love God, love people. Like why do we have to drill down and like put all these descriptors and like, you know, agonize over every little detail? Like, like how would you have answered that question? I love it. Well, we can overcomplicate things for sure. sure. And loving God and loving people are the first and the, the first and second greatest commandments that God has given his people. And so, um, you know, I, I would, that's, that's the way I would describe love God and love people. Right. Is those are the first and greatest commandments. Um, when we talk about like the mission, that's a little bit of, of like love God and love people are, I think a, probably a little closer to like the vision piece right. of as we're making disciples, that's a picture of what we're wanting to see in these people Yep, is that these people become people that love God and love, love people, people. Yep. you know? Yep. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I think the, you, you want to be grounded in this text of the sacred scripture uh, for Jesus's mission. And you're certainly not going to go wrong with the first, the first and the, the first and second greatest commandments. Right, right. Um, but I think in particular, when you when you see Jesus, he's gone to the cross, he's risen from the dead, he gathers his disciples around before he ascends to the, to the right hand of the Father, and he's given them kind of that last like, all right, guys, I'm about to go away. Here's what I'm entrusting to you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's very much a moment where, you know, it's it's like soldiers before they invade a country. It's like it's like baseball team before they hit the the diamond. Mm-hmm. It's like the huddle up of, okay, it's game time. You know, and and here's what I want you to do, right? Right. Um, go and make disciples of all nations. So I think I think our love for God, our love for people, is the fuel behind right. that, right? Like, why why would we? Why would we respond to Jesus's mission of discipling others? Well, it's because we love God, right. and it's because we love people, right? So it's all connected. Yep, yep. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I, I love that, and I think, uh, you know, I think the kingdom of God is a it's a it's a big kingdom, and I think that's where you know having different churches with different sort of flavors and nuances of how that's expressed and lived out is what makes the kingdom of God, you know, so beautiful. I agree. And I love real life's expression of it. I think it's a beautiful expression. Yeah, I agree. You know, when I, when I think about our mission, what the articulation of it's not perfect, you know, modern day, you know, guys that would coach churches and pastors would say, you need a strong A to B. 
And what they mean is, is you need, in your mission statement, you need a strong A to B in terms of where you're seeking to lead a people from and to. Right. When they say A to B. Like, where are you leading them from and to? You know, so we want to lead people who are far from God into a growing relationship with Jesus, right? right? That's a strong A to B. People that are far from God, A, and we want to lead them to B into a growing relationship with Jesus. And that de- that gives a little more definition sure. of what are we, you know, in the day-to-day, what are we seeking to do? Um, and, uh, and so there's some days that I wish we had a stronger A to B in our, artic- our articulation of it. Right. Um, but I love the language that God has given us to articulate it in its brevity. Um, it's, you know, I do think that the clarity, mm-hmm. how the, how memorable it is. So in my experience, Timmy, churches spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours coming up with like a purpose statement. Yep. And they'll form a committee. Put it on a banner. Yeah, right. They'll form a committee. The committee will spend months and months and months and months and months and months. And months. And the final result of the purpose statement is this hodgepodge conglomeration because every person in the committee needed to get their like, <laughs> yes, the their word in or the their phrase. passionate yep. deal in. So yep. you've got this like cumbersome, clunky purpose statement that it's like it's you can't memorize it because it's so clunky and it's like well I think all that kind of goes together. But what it is is everybody needed their special thing in, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and then they stick it on a banner, and then you know, or you paint it on the wall, and nobody knows it, nobody can say it. It doesn't have any living expression in the church. That's right. Um, so you know, churches like they heard somewhere, you know, maybe somebody went to a purpose-driven church conference like I did, and they came back and said, well, "We need a purpose statement," and if we stick it on the banner, everything's going to go right, you know. And it's like they put so much time and effort on right. the front end. And then after once it's almost like the banner goes up and the work is done. Right. And then there's this disconnect between totally. the day-to-day life of the church and what's what's being posted on, on the banner. Right. Whereas, and I have to say this, I'm only like, what, six weeks in? But the fact is I've heard multiple people, like in the course of conversations and talking, like just very naturally say, oh, like our value, like equip and empower or grace and truth. And not just you. I, I, I've heard it from church members as well, as well, which makes me think like this isn't something that was like a lot of work on the front end and it's disconnected from the life of the church. No, this really is. It's it's infiltrating, you know, the life of the church and it's becoming, you know, who we are, which I love that. It, it thrills me to hear you say that. And, and honestly, it just leaves me in awe that God would so graciously allow that to happen. And it took me a long time to understand kind of some of these leadership dynamics, organizational leadership sure. and those kinds of things. And um, uh, and I, I'm super grateful for what God is doing in real life. So what I, what I don't want people to miss is the connection between our mission and our vision. Um, in those giant banners when you walk in every Sunday, they're right there. Delighting in God and discipling others in order to become a flourishing people in a multiplying movement. If we individually and collectively delight in God and disciple others, we'll become a flourishing people in a multiplying movement. Um, If we delight in God, we'll become a flourishing people. If we disciple others, we'll become a multiplying movement. And um, Mm. 
you know, I, I don't want people to hear. It's like, um, we're just a machine, you know, and if we just no, like all of this is under the power of the Holy Spirit, independent prayer on the Lord, right? Um, but the clarity of our mission leads to our vision and each of those pieces are connected to. So Acts 9.31 is kind of this anchor verse that articulates our our mission and our vision well, or it really articulates our vision well. Um, uh, delighting in God. What, 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 what does that bring up for you, Timmy? Well, yeah, I was like, I love that because I think, especially in today's polarized world, a lot of people think about Christianity and think about, oh, Christians are the ones that say you can't do this and you can't do that. And it becomes this very rigid, like legalistic about all the things that you can't do. Delighting in God flips that on its head. And so my question for you would be like, what, what does it mean for a, a follower of Christ to hold the fear of the Lord, like we talked about earlier, with this idea that it's a delight, it's a it's a it's a disposition disposition of delight in God. Like, what does that look like for the church? Like, when the church does that well, what does that look like? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> it was it, back in my college days. I was heavily influenced by John Piper, and his. What, what he helped me do is to see um, the language of Scripture mm-hmm. of delight. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 1611, uh, in, you've made known to me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. We kicked off this year with a sermon series called Delighting in God. Um, so delight, delighting in God... Um, for all, basically it's the essence of worship so um every human being loves something supremely right they treasure something supremely they enjoy something more than they enjoy everything else um and it may change from time to time um, but on the throne of our heart, there sits something mm. um, that we treasure, that we love, that we enjoy, that we want more than anything else. Um, for some people, it's a spouse. For some people, it's sports. For some people, it's food. For some people, it's success. For some people, it's work. Um, and the scriptures teach us that for God's people, it can be, and it ought to be, God. Yeah. And um, and and so the 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 images that we get in Scripture is that is that God is a fountain of refreshing water when we're in a desert mm. with no water. Love that. So in the same way that we, if we're living in a parched desert, desperate for water, the same way that water would refresh our body. That's the way God refreshes our soul. Mm. There's all these images where Jesus describes himself as the bread of life. Right. And, um, you know, you've got those favorite restaurants 
that it's like, oh, I hope they bring the bread, mm-hmm. you know, and oh, I hope they bring, I hope the bread is warm, you know. Yep. And so there's this nourishment, there's this enjoyment, there's this experience, this taste uh, that we have of God in a relationship with God wow. uh, that that encapsulates that simple phrase, delighting in God. I, I love that. And the picture I just got when you were talking is I, I heard recently that water, like when you're really, really thirsty, it, it almost changes taste to your body. Wow. And like, um, and this is why sometimes when you're not thirsty, you drink water and it's just like, yeah, it's water. But other times, like, you, you know, those moments where you're just parched yes. and it's like, this is the best substance I've ever put into my body. You know, it just, wow. it's exactly that. And the picture is, and it goes back to what you said earlier about like flourishing doesn't mean that everything's going perfect. But as a community, when we're going through something really harsh, when we're going through trials and tribulation, it doesn't decrease our delight in the in the Lord. It actually increases it because it's like water to a parched soul. And so yes. as we walk together and drink in God through difficult times, it's it's that much better, and we're yes. delighting in Him. So I, that was the picture I got. I it's love so it. good, man. Well, delighting in God is this recognition. First, it starts with this recognition mm-hmm. of there's no one and nothing that can satisfy my soul right. the way God Himself can. Not God's good gifts, not what God does for me, but the person of God Himself who we know through Jesus by the Holy Spirit. So... Um, what does that mean? Well, that means Jesus paved the way for us through the cross, through his resurrection, through his victory. He paved the way for us to be able to relate to God freely, personally, intimately. And that's applied by his Holy Spirit who lives in us when we mm. trust in Christ. Um, so so this process of delighting in God, it's, it's in order to delight in God, you have to know who he is. Mm. You don't have to know everything about him, but the more that you know about him, the more you have capacity to delight in him. That's right. So so you may be a brand new Christian who only knows a little bit about God, but you can begin to delight in him to the degree that you know him. So encompassed in this delighting in God is, is, is a getting to know him. There's also this recognition that in order for us to delight in God, we can't be feasting upon sin. Mm. So it's, you know, it, it's like, uh, so, so, so encompassed in this delighting in God is a not delighting in sin. Right. Well, and in order to do that, you've got to be driven by faith. So it's a, it's a recognizing who God is. It's a resisting and repenting from sin, and you do all this in faith that God is who he says he is. He will satisfy my soul the way he says he will. So so encompassed in this tiny little phrase, delighting in God, all of this is encompassed in it. Right. It packs a punch. What do we mean when we say delighting in God? Well, we mean knowing who he is, enjoying who he is, experiencing who he is, and resisting the sin that would prevent us from feasting upon who he is. Love that. So if, if I'm sitting here and listening to this and I'm like in the car and I'm feeling convicted and I'm like, man, I, I you know, I delight in God a little bit, but really money sits on my throne or sex or, you know, status. 
and I'm like, I want that to change. Yeah. Like what would be, yeah. what would be my first step? Like how, yeah. how do I even get there? Yeah. Well, I think it's Ephesians that says, don't get drunk with wine, right. but be filled with the spirit. Um, and so, so that image that's instructive for us. How do you get drunk with wine? Well, you drink a lot of it. So how do you get filled with the spirit? Well, you take up the sword of the spirit, the word of God, and you read a lot of it. Mm as a spiritual exercise. Yeah. And, and so the way you get filled with the Spirit of God is you sow to the Spirit by immersing yourself in the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And you and you commit to not being a hearer only. As James says, don't be a hearer only, be a doer of the Word. So you listen and obey. You listen and obey. You listen and obey. So, um, so a first step is get to know God by reading His Word. Get in the presence of God by, by praying as you get into His Word. Um, and, uh, this is where, this is where sinful temptations lose their power. Hmm. It's when you see the glory of God, the allure of sin loses its power. When you see the beauty of God, when you experience the love of God, when you see the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, these, these sinful temptations lose their glitz. They lose their power. In, in your life. Because they're counterfeit. That's they're, right. They're not actually meant to satisfy our soul. That's right. Whereas That's God right. is. That's right. That's right. So delighting in God and discipling others. Well, what does it mean to disciple others? Well, it means you help other people delight in God. It's mm. good. Discipling others. So that, that means at real life is the hope that there's this real synergistic, like it's not just one person discipling a lot of people that we're discipling each other in a sense, and they were encouraging each other. Is that yes. kind of the idea here? Yes. When I was growing up, Timmy, and you probably experienced this with soccer, um, there were lots of different schools of thought with baseball. Mm-hmm. And you have this school of thought over here that says, well, with a stride, you shouldn't have a stride. Have no stride. And like this school of thought said, don't stride. Just get a really, really wide stance and just let your hips come through. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're going to have a – anyways, there's different schools of thought, right? Right. And, um, uh, okay, I just had a brain cramp. Ask your question again to me. Oh, I was asking, like, if the, the picture is that we disciple each other. Thank it's not you. just this sort Thank of you. Thank top-down you. thing. We're Thank encouraging you. each other, Sorry. spring each other I don't know wrong. if that's COVID brain or yeah. almost on vacation brain or what. But Yes. <laughs> okay. So in the same way, there's going to be different schools of thought of discipleship. Right. Different ways, different approaches, you know. And some people will take a militant approach and say, this is the only way to disciple. Sure. Right. Um, you definitely see some aspects of Jesus's approach to discipleship, and I think that's the best way for us to learn how do we make disciples. Well, let's see what Jesus did. Right? There's a relational context. Right? right. There's a an, an intimacy of the relationship. There's a teaching them God's word. Right? Um, the essence of discipleship, I think Jesus gives us in Matthew 28 when he says, "Teaching them to observe." all that I've commanded you. Mm. So there's this, so the two sides of the same coin, knowledge and observance. We've got to know God's word and observe God's words. That's the essence of discipleship. Know God's word, observe God's word. Um, Jesus modeled that, that that happens best in a relational context. But what you said is precisely, I love how you said it of there's this synergistic relationship happening where we can all contribute to each other's discipleship. Right. Um, and, um, it and to the degree that we help each other delight in God. Yeah. Um, 
because that's that's where it all flows, right? We want to delight in God, and this delighting in God becomes our fuel for obeying God, for obeying His Word. And as we observe the law of God, it leads to delighting. I know a lot of people probably don't think that way, that's right? So, like, no, that's right. We, we tend to think that, like, oh, man, God's a killjoy. If I observe God's law, it means I can't do this, this, and this. But what you just said is, no, there's a connection that yes. as we— walk in line with Scripture and observe it, Right, that we delight more in God. Our joy in God fuels our obedience to God, and our obedience to God fuels our joy in God. Wow. Yeah. Synergy. That's right. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, like you and I are taking a deep dive in these things, but I don't want to overcomplicate it with people. Like right. if you're like, whoa, this is a lot. Well, let's just go back to the basics. That's why we like have four words here. Delighting, discipling, flourishing, multiplying. Right. Yep. Um, we, we're our our mission is delighting in God and discipling others. What is discipling others? Well, it's helping others delight in God. And if we effectively do this, we're going to become a flourishing people mm. and a multiplying movement. Why is it so important to me that we have these this mission and this vision? Well, it's because mission drift is so so easy. Yeah. It's so easy uh, getting off track is so easy. Um, the distractions that can arise, the disruptions, the the attack of the enemy to get us off kilter of debating this issue or focusing on this issue, and we can really get our eyes off of the mission. Yep, absolutely. Lose sight of the vision. So that's why it's important for us for it to ooze out of our conversation, for us to always be coming back to it. Um, attached closely to our mission is our strategy. And strategy in one sense can always, is, is fluid. Your strategy can change with, um, you know, our mission never changes, but our strategy can change. And right now we articulate our strategy as gathering, giving, serving, and living. Anything come up for you on that? Gathering now is like when you say gathering, I'm, I'm picturing Sunday morning. Is it more than that? Is it less than that? Like what? Yeah, that's great. Well, we see, we see two fundamental gathering rhythms, gathering Sunday morning for worship right. and gathering in community groups. Right. So that's our strategy. And, and it's, it's it's actually what we ask people to commit to as they're becoming a member of the church. Um, you know, how do you become a member of a church? Well, you're born again. Yep. Um, we invite you to be baptized and commit to our strategy, gathering, giving, serving, yep. and living. So when we say gathering, um, we don't mean just throwing a party at your house. We mean gathering with God's people on the Lord's day, for the edification of the body, for the preaching of the gospel, and for the ordinances of the Lord's Supper and baptism. Right, right. So certainly Jesus said where two or more are gathered, I'm there. Yes, absolutely. But what we see through the what we see through the the sacred scriptures is we see a priority of the local church. In the West, Timmy, we've popularized this idea of our own individual relationship with God. Um, so when you think about delighting in God, that you know that's where you go. Is you go into your quiet time with the Lord. You're reading your Bible. You're praying to God, and that's good and healthy and appropriate. But we've got to be careful to say, well, it's not only delighting in God when you're alone with God. It's also delighting in God when we gather for worship. Mm. So when we gather together, there's there's a dynamic where God manifests His presence among God's people, um, and where our, our capacity for delighting in God grows when we're gathered with God's people. Um, the book of Hebrews says, uh, do not forsake the gathering together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another day by day uh, as 
as the day approaches, right? So, so even in the early church, people were tempted to not gather. Right, right. And, and the author of Hebrews had to warn them and even rebuke them to say, no, 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 no. Don't stop gathering together. Some people are already in the habit of not gathering. Don't stop gathering together. So, so I think it's important for God's people to know the devil will use anything and everything to keep you from gathering with God's people. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so let me ask you this. So I think a lot of people might, when they hear gathering, they might go, okay, well, I come to Sunday morning so I can check that box. I know we do other things as a church. Um, obviously, community groups will start back up in September. How is that, like, would you put that under the bracket of gathering as well? And how does that fit in with Sunday morning? Yeah, absolutely. I see the Sunday morning as the primary. Right. The primary gathering. Um, and... Um, but but the reality is, is is because of the size of our church. If you're going to be cared for well, right? Uh, if you're going to experience, you know, in the New Testament, we see dozens of one another commandments: love one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, speak the truth and love one mm-hmm. another, greet one another yeah. with a holy kiss, bear with one another, outdo one another in showing honor. Mm-hmm. So so where are we going to do that? When are we going to do that? Well, for us, our answer to that is we're going to do that in community groups. Right. That's where we're going to live out these one another's. It's not that we don't live them out on Sunday morning. We certainly do. But we live them out in with greater intimacy, with greater impact, with greater accountability, with greater personalization in a community group. To go deep theologically, mm-hmm. God has existed outside the realm of time and history in a community yep. as Father, Son, and Spirit. And then he made us in his image. He made us in his image. So if we're going to rightly reflect who God is, we too must live in community. Yeah. And so community groups are a mechanism to help facilitate that. Um, you know, you can go to a community group and not do any of the one another's. Right. Just because you're in a room with people doesn't mean you're going to effectively be that. Um, so it's that's probably the, it's probably a lot harder though in a smaller <laughs> group right. than it is. Right, I can show up to Sunday morning and take it all in that's and right. walk out, and nobody knows anything. But if I'm going that's right. into a circle of like you know, like you're right, like I, I can show up to a small group, a community group, and and not change and not do one of the one another's. But there's an accountability I'm guessing there that's not there as much. Yeah. In a row, as opposed to a circle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we like to say with our community groups, they're where strangers become friends mm. and friends become family. Yep. And and Timmy, when you see how Jesus changes our identity as a follower of Christ, we're adopted as sons and daughters of God. We're adopted into the family into the family of God. So that familial language is very intentional with great implications. Yeah. Um, well, I'm a son of God. Well, that means. I have brothers and sisters in Christ. Right. That means right. I, I probably have spiritual mothers and fathers, and I probably need to have spiritual children, right, if yep. I'm in the family. And so community groups at Real Life are where um, are where that's lived out best. Love it. Yeah. So, so when we say gathering, this is our strategy. We're talking about our Sunday morning gathering, and we're talking about our, our community group gatherings. And let me just tap on this a little bit. Yep. Lots of churches do lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of things. And the more the more things a church does, the less they can do them with quality. Mm. 
the less they can do them with focus. Right. Um, if everything is important, nothing, nothing is important. So for us, we try to keep our strategy really simple and focused. And we try to say, you know, like gathering, giving, serving, and living. And if folks say, well, what else? We'll say, well, that's enough. Yeah. Like that's enough. We need to focus on making our gathering really God-centered, really an excellent way to encounter God with God's people. We need to focus on seeing that all real lifers get into a community group. So before we start, you know, A ministry over here and B ministry over here and C ministry over here, like we need to make sure community groups are firing on all cylinders. Right. And that we're giving it our all to get all of God's people into a community group. That's um, right. So, so we want to, that gets into one of our values and we'll talk about that later. But, um, but for us, we want to say we really believe in this strategy. We really want to implement this strategy well with effectiveness. We really want to evaluate, are we implementing this strategy? Are we living it out? Gathering. Gathering, giving, serving, and living. Yeah. And those feed into delighting, right? So as I hear the strategy, giving and serving, I'm sure you've heard this too, where people will be like, well, I'm just not in a season of life right now where I feel like I can give, where I can serve. I just need to heal like, what would you say to a person yeah. that says that? Like, Yeah. Well, I love, as, gosh, that's a great question. Ask the question again because yeah. it's so good. I don't, I don't want people so to miss what you I, just asked. I think asked. you and I, as pastors, what you and I have probably both heard this before of like, hey, this season of my life, I'm just, maybe I'm coming out of a rough relationship or I'm hurting, um, maybe maybe even, you know, abuse, that sort of thing. And yeah. so I'm wow. just not at a place where I can give and serve right now for the time being. Um, how, do, how do you respond to a person that says, I just need to sit out for a little bit? Yeah. Well, hopefully I'll respond with grace and truth yeah. in the relationship. Yeah. Right. So I want to get to know them. I want to hear their story. I want to understand where they're coming from. That's the relationship piece. Right. Um, and then I want to respond with grace and truth. So, you know, I want to, I want to affirm, well, real life is a safe place mm. for you to be restored. Real life is a safe place for you to sit and to receive real life is a, is a safe place for you to be still. Mm. If you've been, it's good. If you've been hurried, real life is right. a safe place for you to be still. Um, but what we don't want to do is, is we don't want, we don't want the enemy to have victory in this season, the way he had victory in your previous mm. season. That's good. So if, if the enemy had victory in your previous season, through being burned out or being abused or doing too much or whatever it may be. We don't want, we don't want the pendulum to swing all the way over and you to react and say, well, therefore I need to just sit. sit, Right. Um, And, and so we want to say, look, it's a safe place for you to rest, for you to sit, for you to be still. But we believe as the Lord restores you, uh, the healthiest place for you, is going to be fully engaged. Mm. And so what we've heard are great stories of, of ladies that have said, men have, that have said, um, I, the Lord used serving as healing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love I, that. that like, that's, that's where I found my equilibrium. That's where my equilibrium came back yep. was through serving. So it wasn't, it wasn't sitting and doing nothing that recalibrated them. It was actually letting letting that pendulum get held right in the middle of, you know what, let me not let me not react all the way over here to doing nothing because, you know, I'm not trusting now or I'm too hurt now. I just need to heal now. No, let me in faith, trusting 
God's design, that he's given me spiritual gifts, he wants me to use them, I'm going to serve, right? Yep, I love that. So it's not that not that giving and serving are the problem. In a sense, they can be part of the solution. God can heal us through giving and serving, and maybe it's not done in the right way. It's not done out of like this legalism of like, no, you better do it. It's like, no, I, I get to do it, and in the process, we're watching God work in and through us, and that's that's where we get healed. That's that, right. Is that kind of the picture? Yeah. If you're if you're still listening to the podcast, if you've made it thus far <laughs> in this episode, grab a pen, grab some paper, and write this down. Our our mission, delighting God, discipling others. Our vision, a flourishing people, a multiplying movement. Our strategy, gathering, giving, serving, and living. Um, what I don't want people to miss is that the delighting in God mm. is it's the fountainhead. It, it's the peak of the mountain. It's the ice on the top of the mountain out of which all the cool crystal streams flow um, in that, in that, why do we gather for worship? Well, it's because we delight in God mm. and we want to worship him. Why do we gather for a community group? And why do we share and open our lives with others? It's because we delight in God and we want to, we want to, we want to open our life to other people. For his sake, why do we give of our finances? What empowers us to give? What empowers me to let go of my earthly treasures? Mm. What's well, that I have a greater treasure? God himself. Yep. Um, why do I serve? Well, it's, it's out of the overflow of delighting in God. It's it, I don't serve because I have to serve. I don't serve out of duty, out of guilt. I serve out of the overflow of uh, I love God so much the church is the bride of Christ. I can't treasure Jesus and not treasure his bride. I want to serve and build up his bride. I want to serve, right? So it all flows out of delighting in God. And then that last step in our strategy is living. That's the Monday through Saturday. I mean, that's just our life. We want to live our life as an expression of love and worship to God. We want to live a, a holy and obedient lifestyle. Why do we want to do that? It's because we delight in God. Love that. And so, you know, so I feel like like our, the whole economy of our mission, our vision, our strategy, our values, I feel like it all starts with delighting, delighting in God. God. Yeah. And and that's and that's and that drives us to the cross because the only way we can delight in God is because Jesus made a way through his cross to bring us into an intimate relationship with God where we get to know him and enjoy him and all of it flows out of. Yep delighting in God. That's an invitation I think anybody can get behind. It's not, not an invitation to burden or, you know, um, demand. It's a, it's a invitation to delight and yeah. we get to serve, we get to give. And, yeah. uh, I love that. And we get to live Monday through Saturday. If only somebody was doing a summer study on worship <laughs> as, uh, living, living Monday through Saturday as worship, <laughs> DJ Daniel Cox, I think might have something to say about that. Yes. Daniel, Daniel's leading a summer study right now. Yep. He's probably got a, a couple of sessions left. You can jump in on that right. tail end and, and, and go deep into that last strategy point of living. What does That's it right. mean to live as, as, worship. As, as an overflow of worship, gathering, giving, serving, living. Timmy, this has been fun, man. All so right. Rich. Timmy, give, give me our mission. Mission is, um, <laughs> delighting in God and multiplying movements. Close. Try it again. Oh, wait. Our mission is, <laughs> is it not delighting in God? Wait. You got the first part right. Delighting in God. Yes. And um, discipling that? others. Bam. Yep. There's yep. our mission. And then um, our, our vision. 
is uh, flourishing yes. and multiplying. That's right, to become a flourishing people and multiplying movement. Yep. Our strategy. Um, hold on. <laughs> it's, it's coming. It rhymes. Uh, um, giving, serving. I missed one, didn't I? Starts with. It's another G. Another, oh my goodness. Sorry. I'm, now I'm having brain fog. No, no, no. This is a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, gathering. Gathering, giving, serving, living. Yep. Got it. There you go. There you <laughs> I'm go. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Um, hey, church, be encouraged. Pastor Tim, I just put him on the spot. He's still cranking <laughs> it out. Um, seriously, spend some time uh, with with these in praying. And as you read through the scriptures, see where you see these jump out at you. Gathering, giving, serving, and living. Delighting in God, discipling others, a flourishing people, multiplying movement. Um, so good. Bro, thanks for leaning in. All right, so what we've got coming up this summer, you guys, on the podcast is the next few podcasts are going to be shorter, and we're just going to tap on each four of our values. All right, we've got four values. And interestingly enough, Timmy, I, you know, I, I've said delighting in God's the most, kind of mm-hmm. the most important thing and everything flows out of that. But once you get past that, our values really define who we are as a church. They're what make makes us distinct. Right. Um, it really answers the, the question, what kind of church are we going to be? Um, and so I'm really looking forward to tapping on each one of our values in the next four uh, podcast sessions. So thanks for joining me and uh, Real Lifers. Uh, keep it real. Keep it Jesus. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus. Community groups at Real Life Sango are where strangers become friends and friends become family. You guys, you have been isolated for too long. You've been disconnected for too long. It's time for you to find your people. This fall, this September, we launch community groups. A message for some of you is wait no longer, on the sidelines no longer, join a community group. I want you to be thinking about it, praying about it right now. More than that, Commit in your mind and heart right now that the first day we launch community groups, you're going to sign up for one. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.